I give my sleepers permission to sleep. This is the only church in the whole world where people come up to me and say, the wives will say, oh, why does my husband always sleep? You know something? I'm so glad they're here. I don't even care if they sleep. I'm just happy to have them here. Say amen. Last week, and if you did not get a tape of last week's sermon, for this week to make a little better sense, I'd love you to get the tape. Last, year, last week's tape was uh, the week before, rather, because our precious brother Kenzie was with us last week. But the week before was Jesus the man with the plan. It almost sounds like catchwords. My thought for you today is Jesus, the man with the power. Say amen. amen. Jesus, the man with the power. And I want you to get a good idea of what I want to share with you, a good sense of the importance that I want to lay in your heart, at least at the threshold of your heart so it can make its way in in the power of the Holy Ghost, all right? In the scripture that I read to you today is the very last chapter of the book of Matthew, the very last chapter of the book of Matthew. He tells his disciples in the 19th verse, no, I'm sorry, in the 16th, Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus said they would find him. There they met him and worshipped him. But some of them weren't sure it was really Jesus. Can you imagine being a disciple in those days? How confusing. One day, he's absolutely nothing, being torn apart, bloody, bleeding, uh, helpless in the hands of horrible people, wanting to scream at him and say, Jesus, get even with them. Do something. But the scripture says that like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before his shearers, like a dumb sheep but there was a plan. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. He told his disciples, and this is it, I have been given all power. I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples in all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the world. Oh, what a, what a, what a farewell. What, what a way to say goodbye. A master that says he's been given all authority. I want you to keep that in mind. We're talking about Jesus, the man with power. 
Today's concepts of power are so different, folks. You've lived my life, and you've lived in the same times, right? I was here ahead. You're coming up, catching up. But isn't it amazing? What's the first thing anybody asks you when they get just a little chummy? Not chummy, chummy. Just a little chummy. First thing people will ask you is, what do you do for a living? Isn't it amazing? Everybody wants to know what you do for a living. I, I'm always amazed at that question. Joseph's uncle used to say to us, are you still in that junk? Because he knew we were preachers, he knew we were ministers. Are you still in that junk? <clears throat> I never answered them. Because first of all, I didn't think they knew what I was doing, and second, they certainly were wrong about what, what their concepts were, okay? They were so proud. I remember one Christmas I went and one of the in-laws looked at us and, and says, what a Christmas, new mink coat. And that mink coat was over $10,000. New diamond, that was $15,000. And they kept showing us all these things, and they were so proud. Some are dead. The one that asked us about the junk, he's dead. And he wouldn't allow anybody to his funeral because he didn't think anybody would want to be there. Isn't that sad? I think it's very sad. We didn't even know when he died much less invited to a funeral. But we do have a sweet note for you. From then on, any tragedy that hit the home, we were the first ones called. We've ministered at most their funerals, and we're still the ones that are called into prayer. So, I'm not trying to be facetious, but this junk is good junk. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The world might see it like junk, but we've got the goods. So keep that in mind. When your family looks at you like you're crazy, when your boyfriend's uh, family looks at you and says, Get what evangelical. Yeah, what are you? Holy rollers? Oh my God, are they still around? The next question this is when they get a little chummier. First, it's what you, how do you make a living? The second is how you set financially. Hmm. <laughs> oh, well, they make believe they're talking about stocks and bonds. You know, what are you, are you on the Dow? Are you on the Dask? Are you on the Quack? Are you on the, you know, all those things that go up and the things that go down. I don't even know what it's all about. I couldn't care less because my money's taken care of in heaven. And oh, are the dividends good? Yahoo! And I mean that. You'll never have enough to spoil you, but you'll always have enough to meet your need. You say, well, I don't want to live that way. A, but when God says need, he really goes past it. So trust him, won't you please? Now the next question people want to know, who you are in this world? Isn't it amazing? 
O.J. Simpson's trial has brought out over 150 books. Everybody that did anything is now trying out for Hollywood. Isn't it amazing? They're all going to be stars. Even our little judge is going to be a star. Why? Because it's important. One of the big things in this world is, uh, what are you in the world? Who are you in the world? I love to get caught in the crowds on Fifth Avenue because nobody bothers a fat lady. <laughs> they really don't bother me. Nobody asks me for my autograph. Nobody invites me to their house. The sweetest thing they could say to me is, lady, move! And I move. I, I move quick. I don't want to get stepped on. Are you hearing me, folks? Do we live in a world who asks, are you in who's who? Now, if they ask you if you're in who's who, they want to let you know that they're in who's who. You know how you get in who's who? You fill out an application and you pay $25. They'll put you in who's who in anything, in high schools, in colleges, and anywhere. It's a money-making machine. You've got to have something. You've got to be doing something, collecting cockroaches, anything. But you'll you get in there. Oh, folks, this is the world we live in. This, these are the concepts of power of the world out there. Who are you? What do you have? How well-known are you? What are your circles? Where do you move? Okay. I want to talk about the elements of power. Now I'm talking about real power. The elements of power. <clears throat> One of the elements of power is time. You say time? Hey, are you talking about stewardship? No, I'm talking about time. We're talking about time. How do you use it? Or how do you <clears throat> misuse it? Because that's one of the secrets. That's one of the secrets of, of positive living. That's one of the secrets of, let me tell you something, it's one of the elements of power. What does a person do with his time? You know why? Because it reveals much about him or her. What's your importance with time? Where does time fit into your dream? Yeah. Good things are not easy to come by. And most good things don't come overnight. They may look like they come overnight, but when you start to study the background of the situation, you'll find out it took an awful long time to get there. The only thing, it just takes one spark for people to notice, okay? So the first point of failure in a human life is what you do with your time. Is your time just to eat, sleep, and watch television? Is that where you're getting fat? Is that where you're getting lazy? Is that the whole thing of you? You got to get home to the football games this afternoon, all of them. Imagine now they got those television, que bruto, with the four squares. Isn't that something? You can watch four games at one time. Ay, bendito. You got to be nuts. You've got to be nuts.
But this is the world in which we live. They want to suck every ounce of time out of you. Because the only way you can be made or make yourself or count for time in eternity is how you use your time. There are people that do nothing with their time. Other people do the silliest things in the world. Have you heard of those ladies that shop till they drop? My God, who's doing the dishes? Who's doing the laundry? Who's picking up the kids? Who's cooking? Gotta shop till you drop. And it's so cute. No, it's not really. Where does it fit in your dreams? If you never learn to use time, you will never be anybody. You may be a scatterbrained wife. You may be a, hey, just a kid that doesn't mean much, ain't going no place, and who cares? Look laid back, look cool, but guess what? You're a heap of nothing. Because until you learn to use your time, it doesn't work. So the elements of power, number one is time. The elements of power, number two is concepts. Your frame of mind, that which shapes you. The ideas that dominate you. Now, if it's a, if it's a sense of grandeur, and let me tell you something, don't ever be mistaken. Grandeur runs both ends of the spectrum, and I mean that. You say, what do you mean runs both ends of the spectrum? Somebody can make themselves there be very important doing nothing. Oh, yes. And others do everything more than they really can handle. So let's talk about concepts, where they're formed. We have to watch out for grandeur and the spirit of grandeur. Wanting to be big, wanting to be important. Now, don't get me wrong. We live dreaming. Don't anybody forget it. For those that didn't know, I was born in 1929. Now, what's important about 1929? Jackie Kennedy was born in 1929. That's important, right? Now she's dead. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. Guess who else was born in 1929? Shirley Temple. Ay, ay, ay. My mother would go to the movies and see Shirley Temple and she would say, Tu, vas a ser la segunda. Ay, bendito. I'm not going to be second. I'm not, I'm not even the millionth. Oh, she would, oh, she would. Honey, my mother only had pennies and she sent me to dance classes. I learned to do east side, something like that, west side, something like that, all around the town. Yeah. She got me a piano teacher so that I could entonar. And I went plunk, 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 plunk. And after that piano teacher, I had six more. No one has had more piano lessons. If there's going to be a miracle in heaven, I'm going to be able to play piano. Because right now I can't. I don't know how. But this was my mother. What can I tell you? I tell you all of this simply because, hey, there are dreams of grandeur. 
But I had a moment of grandeur with Mama. She was laying on her deathbed. And my daughters were singing a brand new hymn they had learned, Whatever It Takes. And when she heard it, she said, Nena, cántalo otra vez. And it's a long hymn. They sang it again for her. And when she was through, she said to them, cántalo otra vez. They sang it again. It was a Tuesday morning. And the voices of those three girls echoed with whatever it takes for my will to break. And my mother was listening. And then she looked over at me. She had said that just once before. She said, que, mija? Tú eres mi preferida predicadora. I made it. I got on my mother's hit list. Number one preacher. That's what she said I was. Her number one preacher. I thank the Lord for that. Because there's just a little dark apartment on Concord Avenue near 149th Street. And a little old lady was dying. And after saying those words, she went into coma. And we never spoke to her again. Went to be with the Lord. But you see, folks, Mama's concept was to make her daughter a movie star. What she got was a preacher. That's okay. That's okay. And she finally decided it was okay because she's the one that had to decide. <laughs> and oh, how I thank the Lord. Concepts. Those that frame your mind. That which shapes it. Concepts, the ideas that dominate you. Is it grandeur? Watch out. Where are they formed? Oh, they can be formed from past desires. They can be formed by what we see or we think is great or good. Now we have to watch out because how strong are those concepts? They can be destructive. How many, a how many a girl and how many a handsome boy took off to Hollywood only to see the end of their lives? And if they weren't destroyed by death, they were destroyed by drugs and they were destroyed by so much. Our concepts, what ideas dominate you? You say, well, Sister Amy, how does this fit into what you're telling us? Well, this is how it fits. Our concepts have got to be the teachings of Jesus. Our concepts have got to flow from the word of God. Oh, but the word of God doesn't talk about music or being a, an athlete or being a, a baseball player. Yeah, but God will let you be anything you want to be so long as he goes with you. That's all. I, I, I would have loved to, you know... For, for, for so many things. So long, I tell my kids, hey, head for the stars. Tie your wagon to a star. Just make sure Jesus is driving the wagon. That's all that counts. And it's important. Now we gotta watch out that, that our concepts aren't so strong and negative that they destroy us. We have to ask God. Now the last thing I'm talking about in terms of time and concepts, there's another thing that's so important, because it's an element of power. And what's that? 
the capacity to follow through, the capacity to stick to it, the capacity to go get it, to sense you must have it, and you'll die without it. I'm talking about positive things. How many people get just, just, just come up to the brink of a breakthrough, either in their artistic life or, or in their mathematical life or in their collegiate life or in their work life? They come up against the wall and they collapse. No, they could have walked through. They could have. So many obstacles. But if you've got stick to itness, if you've got follow through, you'll get it. And also, we need a sense of finality. What do we mean by that? Tie up all the loose ends, leave nothing to chance. Be sure. Oh, Amy, Pastor, how do we get to be sure? Oh, there aren't people on the face of the earth that can be sure than we are. Because we've got a guiding system that no one has out there. It's called the power of the Holy Ghost. It's called the timing of God's clock. It's called the moving of His Spirit on the face of the earth and in your life. The only thing is we're not in tune. If, if, if we would be still enough, we would hear God say, go this way. We'd hear God say, no, don't take that turn. We'd hear, we'd hear God say, don't go through those doors. They're not for you. But we're not still enough. I want to talk now for a minute. Today's concept of power versus Jesus' concept of power. How do you make a living? How much money do you have? Okay. Who's your broker? Isn't that funny? They ask me who's my broker. I don't know. God may be my broker, but they don't think he's in the business. But that's okay. What, do we, well, what, what can Jesus say to that mentality where money and gold and silver is power? Whether you go mafioso or whether you go Wall Street, whether you go high rollers, or whether you go, hey, crap game in the corner. No matter which way you go. Let me tell you something. You know what Jesus said? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? Hey, that's talking. What would it profit a man? There's an old Spanish hymn that I someday will get someone to sing it for you. Hay ricos que mueren sin saber dónde está su dolor. There are rich that die and don't even know where their pain is at. Hey, folks, let me tell you something. In sense of time, what was Jesus? How did he work that out? The scripture says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Now, what on earth does that mean to you and me? I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I'm just a human creature on the face of the earth. 
Well, he came to let you know that what marks his time, he wants it to mark your time. And all you have to do is surrender to him. And then what will happen in the fullness of your time for this, for that, for the other thing? God will bring it to pass. God will bring it to fruition. Yes, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. So God is a time management. Trust him. Sometimes we get anxious. Sometimes we think it's our time. Oh, folks, don't ever make that mistake. Wait on God's time. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. And then let me tell you, that's in Bethlehem. Twelve years later, we've got a little boy that's showing off. Oh, we make it so sacred. We make it so holy. Jesus, at 12 years old, was showing off. Oh, Amy, are you being sacrilegious? No. The whole family went home. And he was sitting there talking with all the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, don't mock off, so. I'm not being sacrilegious. After two days, the family says, where is he? Well, we don't know. And mom and dad track back, and there he is in the temple. Yeah. And then he looks up to his parents, and he says, very prophetically, but quite out of order. And what did he say? I must be about my father's business. Que lindo. Mira, pa casa. And read the end of that chapter where it says, and he lived with his parents under submission to both of them. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Some people say, oh, my, God's been my son's been chosen of God. So I have chosen of God. Que lave plato, que, 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 que se limpie los zapatos. You know what that means? Tell him, teach him how to wash dishes. Make sure he cleans his shoes before he gets into the house. Oh, Folks, have we ever killed little kids, haven't we? All of a sudden, we think there's a little halo on their heads. Whoa. I'm going to tell you a secret, and it's a very painful one. Very few child evangelists have made it. Very few. Why? Not because God didn't want them to be evangelists, but what's happened to the child? The sense and the concepts of power just go to the head. And that is dangerous. But at 30 years of age, when he was ready, and his time was set. Oh, I love that. He spent much time. The scripture says he spent so much time with his father. Whether it be the whole vigil of a night, or whether it be break the dawn, and he was on the hill praying and talking to his father. Listen to how he used his time. Then he'd go around doing miracles, and you know what he'd say? Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Nobody obeyed him. Everybody opened their mouth and said everything. But he meant that. He meant don't tell anybody. Why? Because he was working within a frame, a time frame. And he knew Satan was trying to kill him before his time. It's Jesus that escaped from being thrown off a cliff in his hometown of Nazareth. It was Jesus that escaped a stoning by a multitude. It was Jesus that slivered out of the temple before they could kill him. Why? 
because his time had not yet come. I love that. I think of uh, Pilate. <clears throat> now tell me about yourself, sir. Tell me about yourself. Why are these people all upset? They call you king of the Jews. They call you this. They call you that. They say you're going to incite a riot. But how can you incite a riot when you don't even talk? You haven't said a word to me. Talk to me, man. And Jesus just stood there like the lamb to the slaughter. He didn't talk. Pilate gets so annoyed and he says, don't you know I could kill you? Then Jesus talked. You have no power over me. I give my life. And then I take it back. That's where Pilate came to the conclusion that either he was crazy or he couldn't deal with him. Washed his hands and turned him over. Hey folks, Jesus' timing was perfect. Jesus' timing was perfect. Let me talk about his concepts. Sometimes we're lost in ourselves, me, mine, ours. You understand? What is Jesus' concept? I have other sheep that I have to get. I have other sheep that I must seek after. Then he went on and he says, I must seek and save that which is lost. Tells the Samaritan woman, if I give you a drink of water, you'll never be thirsty again. And he tells a multitude, and if I give you bread, you'll never hunger again. These people are saying, wow, what is this man? Yes. What a sense of follow through. You know what he said to Satan in the three times that he was tempted by Satan? Turn rocks into bread, throw yourself off the pinnacle of a temple, look at all the kingdoms, I'll give them to you. This is Satan trying to buy him. Oh, and I love it. Jesus says, it is written. It is written. It is written. Hey, folks, listen to me carefully. Jesus followed through on Satan from beginning to end. He knew who his enemy was. He knew the satanic seduction. Don't ever think Satan is going to show up with his red suit and horns and say, hey, hey, come on, fight me. I'll take a pitchfork and I'll look at you and say, come on. No, oh no. You know how Satan works. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. And Satan says, well, if he loves you so much, why doesn't he give you more money? Why can't you get a better job? Why aren't you doing better than in such a mess? Hey, hey, hey. Everything Satan does has, a, has that, that, what, that question mark. That's right. He's, he's the great question mark. The Bible declares God is love. And he says, does he? That's all. The Bible declares God can heal you right now sitting right there. And Satan says, you're sick? You think he's going to heal you? <laughs> That's the Satan. He followed through. Whether it be Satan, or whether it be precious people that he loves so dearly like Mary and Martha. If you'd only been here, Master, what, what, what happened? Why'd you come late? Mary, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus looks at them and says, have I not told you? 
Didn't I say it to you, Mary, when you were seated at my feet? We talked together. You moved into my realm. I took you from this human world into my spiritual world. You saw me. You loved me. Don't you remember me telling you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. When Martha came with the same complaint, he gave her the same answer. And isn't it beautiful? They went to the gravesite, and everybody thought he was going there to cry because he had already cried. He just got everything ready. And he simply said, Lazarus, come forth. Follow through. We're talking about concepts of power. We're talking about using time. You see, folks, there's a lot of power out there that's not power. God is so good that he'll use people that are crumbling. He'll use people that are failing. He'll use people that are in sin. He'll use people that have avarice on their mind. Isn't that horrible? You say, well, well why doesn't God tell? Because God cares more for us than for them. You say, well, well I, I, I still don't get your point. If a soul is going to be saved, that soul is worth more to God than all of an evangelist's uh, what do you call it? Trying to make it. Oh, folks, listen. God sees the big picture. God sees little people. God sees throngs waiting to eat, waiting to drink, waiting to be touched. And then somebody comes on the scene, and God uses them. And you say, well, well wait a minute. <laughs> and we sit back and we have our, our problems. Don't have any problems. Don't have any problems. The end of the road says you will give account of everything you do to God. And when your works are put through fire, and we come through by the skin of our teeth, and we're standing there trembling, and there's no gold at the end of the, what shall we say, the end of the test for at least a tiny crown to put at his feet, we'll have to say, thank God that I'm here. Forget the crown. Hey, listen to me, folks. He said to his disciples, You are crying now, but you will see me again. And when you see me, you will have great joy. And you know what else he says? And no one will take that joy from you. What was he talking about? They'd see his death. They'd see his blood. They'd see his side open. They'd see the wounds. And they would cry. But then they would see him in the glory of the resurrection, and they did. To the disciples, he promised resurrection, and that great morning came, he's alive. And you know what he says to us today? And on, on the cross, another thing, talk about a finishing touch. He says to Satan, it is finished. It is finished. Anybody can conquer you now. Anybody that believes in me has power to conquer you. Anybody that walks with me has power to conquer you. Now that is the real concept of power. Who you are in Christ Jesus. And when we want to have power, you've got to be involved in the love of Christ. Love for souls. Love for your home. Love for your children. Love. You want real power? You've got to be involved in humility. Oh, humility is must. Yeah. I would never 
run for a prize in humility. I, I don't want to wash everybody's feet. Do you mind? I don't want to be the last on the totem pole. Do you mind? I don't want to be the ugliest thing around. I don't ever want to be a Lazarus. Oh, God help me. I'm talking about the one with the sores and the dogs licking the sores. I'm not talking about the one that rose again. Talking, there was another one. Okay? Humility is the biggest pill to swallow. Oh, isn't it ever hard to swallow? Yeah. I've lived a life watching everybody go ahead of me. Everybody go ahead of me. That's okay. God has his timetable. I was accused of so many things, it isn't even funny. I ought to write a book. I was accused. You'd have a lot of fun. There's a lot of gossip in it. Guilty? No, not guilty. You say, well, well, where was your God? He wanted to keep me so that I could be in this pulpit this morning with no hang-ups, with no aspirations to grandeur. The only thing I'm looking for is to die, and I'm so happy about it. In the meantime, I want to build that place for the children. I want to fix this place up gorgeous for you people. And if we can go on and build another complex for about 40 million, I'll be around. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Yes! Oh, yes! We're never going to stop. Not until Jesus comes. We're going to get bigger and we're going to get better, but not in haughtiness. Not in haughtiness. I don't go around telling people about this. Oh, you should say, well, we got. <laughs> no, okay. Hey, you know what we've got? We've got Jesus. Can they see him in your smile? Can they see him in your touch? Can they see him in your walk? Can they see him in your talk? Oh, you may flip every now and then. Have you ever fallen bad? Has, have those filthy words come out when they should? <laughs> come to new beginnings. I've got the best uh, word stoppers in the world in that circle. They say, Pastor Amy, I'm really changed, but I'm really mm, off. I say, okay, we got a few more months to go. No problems. No problems. Oh, folks, you know what power is? Power is the love of Jesus. Power is the humility of Jesus. Power is his surrender to death, but then to rise again. And the steps are the same for us. We must surrender to love. You gotta love the unlovely. You gotta love the ugly. You gotta love those that don't love you. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You're just afraid. Oh, but then that'll make me responsible to them. Yeah. Ay, que bueno. Muevete. My father used to say, meneate. Move it. God's gonna make us great in love and humility and in surrender. When our thought, our time pattern is set on growing in Him. When our concepts are founded on the Word of God. And when everything we have moves to follow through on being like Him. Say Amen. amen. God bless you.